the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. We've got another great show for you. It's time to catch up with John Schlafly today. We'll talk with John Schlafly later on in the program. He's got another column, the Schlafly Report. This one about what's happening in Georgia. I happen to have been uh, preparing some uh, radio commentaries. If you don't know what's going on in Georgia, in Fulton County, you don't understand how um, what maybe feel like feels like small players are having a national and international impact, which is to say the Fulton County prosecutor is elected by the people of Fulton County. It's a big county, very Democrat county, one, I think three to one to Biden. But that prosecutor is effectively going to decide whether President Trump is indicted, runs for president as under indictment or otherwise. It's crazy. And it's like the Tisha James, the attorney general of New York, who's basically a, a, a prosecutor in search of a crime because she's already said in her campaigns, as well as every day, she's going to go after Trump. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world. It's a it's not a justice system. It's not recognizable. I will also talk uh, with our friend Frank Pavone. Father Frank Pavone is the founder and executive director of Priests for Life. He's um, got a great website that tells you how uh, to understand the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs and a lot of other stuff. We'll talk with him. All right. But first, what do you need to know today? Well, let me tell you something. What you're seeing with the Tulsi Gabbard announcement is an indication of what I've told you before. The question is simply this. It's the election of 94 again. The only question is whether it's 1994 or, as I believe it is, is it 1894? Because in 1994, that's when Newt Gingrich swept to power, you may recall. And that was the first time, I think, in, um, let's see, in... uh, in um, uh, the, yeah, they won 54 net net change of 54 seats uh, to the Republicans and in the House. And it was the first time in I have decades and decades that they had had a speaker of the House. Um, and uh, um, and and it was an incredible, incredible election, plus 54 net number of seats. Well, in a, in 1894, the Republicans won 110 seats. And it was because the economy had tanked in 1893 and they just threw them through the bums out. So is it 1994 or is it 1894? And my argument is it's 1894. And an indication of how big the red tsunami is, is Tulsi Gabbard's a really good surfer and she has jumped in the water and she's paddling hard. You don't quit your party, the Democrat party and call them woke racists just five weeks before the election, because it's a bad time to do so. Can you imagine if she did this after Obama won? No. Can you imagine after she did this after if she did this after Obama won a second term? No. She didn't even consider doing it during the Trump time. They were just as bad. It's because the Democrats are a sinking ship. Joe Biden's presidency is a dismal failure for the American people. By the way, 
for Joe Biden and the progressives, the liberals that are in office with him, they're happy as can be. They're, they're radically changing America. They're destroying the lots of the economy, our energy economy. They're still messing our kids up. But it's a disaster for the country, and they're about to be punished. And Tulsi Gabbard is an indication of the size of the wave, as is the polling that is suddenly, as I predicted to you, it would. Well, it's close. It's closing. It's close. It's closing up. It's uh, the gap's closing in. The, the gap is is lessening suddenly, and suddenly you're seeing things like, well, you know, Fetterman's not so strong. Oz is stronger. Yeah, of course, of course, that was coming. And and the the two, as I told you before, the two reasons the pollsters will do this is because they have to close it up. They were doing that. They were doing the. Um, they were doing their numbers to try to make it look like, uh, oh, uh, conservatives can't win and, and, and trying to depress the vote. But they got to close it. They got to tighten it up because they want to be reelected again. Excuse me. That's the wrong phrase. They want to be hired again in the future. So they can't be that far off of what they know is coming. And the other reality right now is a lot of voters, a lot of voters are not answering the pollsters, honestly. Can you imagine being an African-American man? In Georgia, would you answer any pollster who asked you about Herschel Walker? No, no. You mostly just aren't picking up the phone, or if you do, you hang up. But I can tell you what you what Tulsi Gabbard was an indication is it's a red tsunami. It's a it's 1894. It's coming and it's getting worse and worse. Gas prices are up again. Inflation is up again. There's articles in the paper that the Fed can't get control either of inflation, not neither inflation nor keep us out of a recession. They're not, none of the levers are working. There's articles saying that. There are people that are actually writing about what's going on, and they're being somewhat honest. They are actually saying that it's not, there's, there's something wrong with the economy that we're not going to fix. There's a big piece in uh, Business Insider on that front. And so, oh, oh, there's polling, by the way, that shows that Hispanics, Hispanics are voting in much higher numbers for Republicans than ever before. And so it's coming. It's coming. And the only real uh, uh, question will be, what will it be like when there's Republicans in the House and Senate in charge? How will they govern creatively? What will they do that will be interesting, that will be helpful, that will give people a sense of what the policies could be? And the second question you have to ask, as the race, as the red tsunami crests, when does Donald Trump announce that he's running for reelection? And he should run. He should run. As uh, in every aspect of what's happening in this country, Donald Trump would be better than the guy in office. And there's nobody in the country that can withstand what's happening other than Trump. People will say, oh, but we're tired of him. You could be tired of anybody. I don't care. You could be tired of any topic. I don't care. It doesn't matter because the reason you're tired is because of what the media, big media and big tech are doing to you. The reality is there's only one guy who can lead us and survive this gauntlet that's in front of us. That's the facts. That's it. You can wish that so-and-so was tougher. i never forget. I asked the late Phyllis Schlafly in 2015, who did she like early in the year? It was before Trump got in the race. And she said, we should watch Scott Walker. Scott Walker had been through three union-contested vicious elections. I think two regular elections and one recall, or maybe it was two recalls and one election. But the unions, the, the, the teachers' unions, the trade unions, everybody pounded on him. Sorry, the teachers' unions and the government uh, uh, unions. I don't know if the trades were against him. But he went through 
absolute. They they occupied the Capitol. They, they you know they tried to riot. They did everything, and Scott Walker survived and and was did it well. I mean, he was really impressive, and yeah, and he raised one hundred and twenty or thirty million dollars to run for president, and he didn't last. He didn't catch on. He wasn't able to communicate at that level. He wasn't able to withstand the intensity. He wasn't able to get traction. It's just the way it is. Again, you can wish so-and-so would be good on the national stage. We're dealing with this moment in history and these factors. And Tulsi Gabbard is signaled a tsunami, and Donald Trump is standing back and saying, I'll be getting in the water soon. You can guarantee it. Guarantee it. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We'll talk with Father Frank Pavone and then John Schlafly. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our old friend. I shouldn't say that. He'll get mad at me. Father Frank Pavone. He has been around a while, but he's uh, Father Frank Pavone, who is uh, the leader and the founder of Priests for Life, priestsforlife.org. If you go there, there's a million resources there. It's not uh, limited to priests. It's not limited to uh, uh, only Catholic. It's uh, a million resources, uh, lots of different speakers and and folks, including, of course, Dr. Alveda King has been one of the great leaders who has worked with Father Frank Pavone for a long time. Father, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hi, Ed. It's great to be with you. I'm doing well, and uh, we're certainly in interesting times. <laughs> well, and I don't think I've had you. I don't think I've had you on the show. Maybe I did, but since the Dobbs decision, I, ah. I, 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 I'm, I feel certain. I know I've heard you interviewed and seen you on TV. Um, your joy at uh, at you know anything that helps protect life. But how, how do you find the pro life movement after? It's almost like you know you finally we were the dog that chased the car. We finally caught the car. That's not the right. I yeah. think, but you know, but how do you find the pro-life movement right now? Very energized, very happy, very grateful, because those that have been in the movement, even a short time, realize that there have been decades of, of, of people just sacrificing, giving, I mean, sometimes sacrificing their freedom, their jobs, their reputation, uh, put on the line uh, for these unborn babies and all done in the hope that one day we would be able to protect them again. And of course, uh, many of them, as, as the letter of the Hebrews tells us, they saluted it from afar. You know, they knew the day would come. Uh, and some of them only saw it from, uh, you know, from the other side because the Lord called them home. But, but the, the joy is very palpable. But also, Ed, I think it's very important for our audience to understand that we're still at the very beginning of this change. It has been a sea change. And we still have to absorb it. We still have to, uh, I've been urging people to, to read and study the Dobbs decision. Uh, we, because we have to understand very clearly what it said, what it did, what it didn't do, and what opportunities it provides us now to move forward. And it, so it's a time of a little bit of, you might say, disorientation on mm. sides of the issue. Yeah. And, Time for some recalibrating, but we can't recalibrate right away. I think some people have been trying to recalibrate too fast. And it's like, you know, you can't, you know, learn about the Dobbs decision this morning and have a new game plan for action this afternoon. Mm -hmm. That simple. Um, and so I think, you know, certainly a lot of my time and I know a lot of my colleagues in the movement have been spending a lot of time at this point just educating people about what the decision actually says. 
Uh, we're talking with uh, Father Frank Pavone. And, and uh, Father, I, I know I'm right, but uh, make sure to clarify for me. Uh, for resources for people to understand the decision, priestforlife.org has some there. Is there other places you recommend, or is there specifically a, a sort of explainer that you encourage uh, people to look at? Uh, there sure is, Ed. We have a special website called supremecourtvictory.com. Okay. And uh, there I have, uh, first of all, uh, there's a 12-page brochure that people can either download or they can order it in print. And it explains the Dobbs case in very, very, very clear language uh, 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 and on SupremeCourtVictory.com. They'll be able to read uh, and see videos, too, of me interviewing various attorneys, various people who were involved in the case, um, and explaining step by step what the decision is. So I think people are going to find that to be a very adequate resource. And there's also prayer resources there as well. Okay. Um, I'll put, make sure we put that up on social media. Let me encourage folks. Uh, you can always follow me at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter and uh, at phyllisschlafly.com. People want to email and clarify any of these things you're hearing. I will make sure to put up on social media. Uh, Father Frank Pavone is our guest. He's the founder and the executive director of Priest for Life, which does so much more. Uh, often people say to me, Father, they're not Catholic. I say, well, I'm not Catholic. I said, it's not, it's not, that's not the, the vision here, isn't that? But uh, let, me, let me praise some a group you're going to be surprised and then but tie it into something you do uh, the washington post and i haven't looked at the details but I, I i congratulate them on this they rolled out in the last day or two a wellness a well a focus on well-being and I, I imagine in the details i'll probably get frustrated but at least the instinct which is the world is so busy social media is so busy it makes you crazy a part of the uh, my argument would be part of the media model including the washington post is to make you agitated so you click on the link but to their credit they're doing this well-being thing and they're and they're spending some money all over the country to say hey how do you slow down and unplug one of the things i know that you do around this time of year father pavone is return people to prayer that okay there's an election in five weeks yeah you're working hard but you gotta back it off too and and say your prayers and i i wonder you know there's more and more need we all just feel so agitated there's more and more need to unplug yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, we we always uh, envelop the election efforts we do with prayer. We have we have spearheaded for many years, and I know you've done this and other groups have done it, uh, prayer campaigns during election season. And so electionprayer.com is a place where I know you're familiar with and it's yep. a interdenominational election prayer. But to the to the wider point, you know, God is the source of all good activity. And so there's two sides to this coin. One is, you know, some people sometimes are tempted because the battle is so fierce. They're tempted to replace action with prayer. And it's no, no. When we pray, we're, we're encountering the God of all action. And so I always say after you've prayed, you shouldn't feel rested, but restless. You should <laughs> done your duty. You right. should feel that you've been given your duty. But the other side of the coin is that as we are doing the work of the Lord, we always have to get make sure we're grounded in the Lord, who's the source of that work. And so the time of silence, solitude, time that we explicitly devote just to reconnecting with him who is the source of all our life and activity is absolutely essential. And, 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 you know, I would say the busier we are and the more fierce the battle is, and I think we're in an absolutely unprecedented moment right now, um, the more time we need to do 
to doing that. So the point is is very very important. Uh, we're ta- we're talking with uh, uh, Father Frank Pavone and uh, Father Frank Pavone. I mentioned I- I'm on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin. He is on Twitter at Father Frank Pavone. F R Frank Pavone. Uh, follow him there. He's got a ton of followers and people pay attention. Again, I'll put up on social media a couple of those links: electionprayer.com as well as uh, the uh, Supreme Court Victory.com. Um, Father, uh, you uh, going towards November? The the media keeps wanting to say that most of America is agitated, excited, ready to vote on abortion because they want abortion, you know, to be legal. They want they're upset about things. The reality is the polls don't show that the polls show that if you're pro-life, you're fired up. Otherwise, people are worried about other issues. How do you feel going into November? I feel very confident, uh, Ed, because the abortion issue is not helping the Democrats. You know, there is an uptick on the Democrat side when you look at some of these surveys uh, in in how high on the list of priorities abortion is compared to past elections. Of course, we expected that. I mean, this is a, a big deal, the reversal of Roe v. Wade. However, uh, the polling also shows, as you're indicating, that it doesn't overtake concern about crime, the borders and the economy. Um, and the Democrats, are, of course, are failing miserably in all three of those areas. Um, the other thing about this is in as much as a voter does focus on abortion, the Democrats uh, don't have the courage to describe what they defend. Uh, they defend unlimited abortion, no, no um, restrictions, no limitations. And the American people just do not buy in to late-term abortion. Polling indicates about 70-72% of the American public are are willing to see abortion limited to 15 weeks, which is the law that ended up going to the Supreme Court and brought about this Dobbs case. 15 weeks is quite enough time to make a, quote, choice, if you even think that choice is ever legitimate. So um, people are not in line with the Democrats, even on this issue. But more importantly for the election, I think this is going to be, I think the red wave that we will see in November is going to be, as Newt Gingrich described it, an American wave. Uh, namely, that Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike want a country that works. And right now they see a country that doesn't work, it's broken, it's dysfunctional, and it's the Democrats' fault. Uh, and that's why so many of them are going to cross, uh, go across party lines and say, I'm going to vote for the person that's going to change things here. And I might not align with them on, on, on everything, but I want a country that works. I want my kids to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, not transgender nonsense. Uh, I want my borders secured. I want my community safe. I want my gas and grocery prices to go down. We want a country that works. And I think that's why we win in November. It's uh, Father Frank Pavone. As always, Father, thank you. And uh, thanks for your leadership. On uh, I'll make sure to put up on social media these two uh, websites, SupremeCourtVictory.com, which gives you real tools to understand what happened. As, as Father said, before you can make the next argument, you better understand exactly what happened there and what's uh, what's available. And then also ElectionPrayer.com. Uh, thank you, Father. And we'll talk again very soon. Uh, God bless you. Okay. God bless, Ed. Take care. Oh. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back and I'll put up on social media. His, uh, his organization is a million things that they do. The really wonderful uh, resource for so many. So we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to touch base with John Schlafly. Now, don't forget, everybody, if you go on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin is me there, at Eagle Ed Martin. If you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you will see John Schlafly's writings, his mother's writings, the late Phyllis Schlafly, as well as a bunch of our programs from the Pro-America Report. So phyllisschlafly.com, at Eagle Ed Martin is me on Twitter, where there's always something happening over there. So welcome back, John. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing fine. So this column, it's perfectly timed. You and I sort of talk about this stuff and have been bouncing around. Weaponized prosecutions create a Biden police state. John and Andy Schlafly over at townhall.com. Their column runs the Schlafly Report. Um, John, off the air, you mentioned to me that um, you and Andy have been working on this and have sort of, I don't know if you, you both come to the conclusion, but you mentioned a conclusion that what's happening in Georgia is maybe the most important thing in the country that nobody's covering. So tell me what you're seeing in Georgia, this uh, Georgia prosecutor. Well, right. The, the, the threats of prosecutions and both criminal and civil actions against uh, President Trump himself, as well as everything, everyone in the Trump's orbits. But the, uh, the prosecutor of Fulton County, which is Atlanta, Georgia, has been working on this for a year. And, uh, has 20 targets they've announced and uh, uh, she basically promised that she's going to be rolling out indictments right after the election. And uh, so this is a concern where one rogue, well, I don't say rogue. I mean, she is elected, but the district, but what I mean is one out of the 3000 counties in the United States is essentially, uh, you know, uh, handicapping or, hamstringing one of of our two political parties in our country. I mean, we just can't allow that to go on. And yet that is what is is gearing up to happen with this investigation. John, when you look back in history, we're talking with John Schlafly, when you look back and, and I know I'll be asking you and you'll be thinking about it as I'm asking you, but are there historical um, are there historical precedents for this in America? I, I mean, you know, effectively, it's we have to take out Trump search for the crime. I mean, and it's it's so blatant. Letitia James is the attorney general of New York. She ran for the job saying, I'll take out Trump. She's in the job as attorney general of New York. And and attorneys general are big jobs because our our states sort of we 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 grant our sovereignty to the federal government through our states. So attorney general is sort of right at the you know, I used to say, you know, standing between uh, the government and we the people. And, and she says that. And now down in in um in Fulton County we have a prosecutor again not you know not saying I'm a liberal not saying I'm a a progressive not saying defund the police but saying I'll get Trump I, I mean are there examples like this in American history I don't I don't know of any examples in American history I mean when you know people talked about the alien and sedition acts uh under our second president John Adams in 18 I mean 17. 97 and 8, which when the next president, Thomas Jefferson, got in there, those uh, laws were repealed and the people who were charged were uh, were released. And uh, but but that may be the only historical example that is comparable. Um, And and that incident has gone down in American history as a very dark episode in our history. But. What's going on now really is worse in a lot of ways because the power of the prosecutor is so much greater. 
Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly and his column is uh, entitled uh, Weaponized Prosecutions Create a Biden Police State. Um, John, uh, very practically in Fulton County, Georgia, um, they they are it's a very, very Democrat leaning uh, um, county, if I can say, not unlike sort of Washington, D.C. And in the sense that if you went to go get a a jury of your peers in D.C. right now, we're watching these January 6th defendants. There's they have no chance. I mean, the, the whole pool is very against uh, anybody who leans Trump or conservative. Fulton County be the same way. So now we have a situation where um, what are what are they trying to enforce They're, they're trying to enforce that the objections to the election were somehow what a conspiracy uh, to affect the election. I mean, the, the argument. Well, yes. The, the, well, yes, the argument is that suspicions or criticisms or questions about what happened in the election in Georgia in 2020, um, you know, amounted to a conspiracy to overturn the election and uh, and undermine our democracy and all that kind of stuff that you hear from the left. And and so they're trying to criminalize uh, questions that were raised about how, uh, you know, over a million ballots were counted in the Georgia election, despite not being subjected to the kind of scrutiny that they should have been under the law for matching of signatures for ballots that were mailed in and so on. Uh, so, but, but, but uh, what is the conduct that they're, that they're trying to do? I mean, one side, meaning the Trump campaign and, and Trump said, it looks like the election was fraudulent. Is, are, are they alleging again, you know, are they're searching for what? That there is, uh, a, a, a talk between participants that somehow, uh, uh, you know, they, you know what? I mean, that they questioned it incorrectly. Basically, they don't like the question or they don't like the criticism. I mean, where's the crime? Well, you know, I haven't seen anything that would justify a crime. But, you know, there's no doubt that the prosecutors do see it. And, of course, they focused on the phone call, uh, the which has been much talked about between President involved President Trump and Secre- and uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State. There were a number of people on that call, Cleta Mitchell, for example, and everyone connected with that. It looks like is going to be indicted uh, for raising questions on that phone call. So yes, it's an outrage, but that but we've seen how the narrative has changed in the last two years, and how the entire mainstream media now. Uh, reinforces the false idea that m- to merely raise questions about the security or accuracy of the election amounted to overturning the election and a conspiracy to undermine our democracy. That's the way they phrase this, and um, uh, you know they can phrase they can they're going to make a crime out of that and indict for it. John, why if they're if it's so blatantly um, uh, political, why are they waiting? Well, what is the reason to wait? 
I mean, here's the thing. Let me say it this way. Um, I've talked about how the January 6th select committee up on Capitol Hill, they thought they were going to be able to damage President Trump. And so they ran around and they did hearings and they realized um, it's not working. In fact, polling shows it's the opposite. More Americans believe after the January 6th select committee hearings that there was something wrong with the 2020 elections and they don't blame Trump. So now we have the January 6th select committee realizing this isn't working. They're not good. They're going to hold one more hearing, I guess, uh, but then they're not going to release the report till after the election because it's not going to do anything. I think they know they don't want to draw, draw attention to the fact they found nothing. At this point, uh, the process is the punishment. If if the prosecutor indicted uh, President Trump or 18 of his lawyers next week, the you, you know, it, it's the old um, it's the old Ray Donovan, you know, labor secretary under Reagan, you know, 18 months from now, you where do I go to get my reputation back? They would have the effect. Why do you think they're waiting? Well, there is a, you know, they give lip service to not taking such drastic action within 30 or 60 days of the election. That may be part of it. But, uh, you know, and you seem to be taking the view that, you know, since there's nothing really there, uh, nothing legitimate, then really there's nothing to worry about. But, you know, I think you overlook just how damaging the whole process has been to the mm. whole Trump supporting half of America. I mean, but just before we uh, began this interview, Ed, you brought up the question of what's happened to the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Right. Well, it, here was the probably the most uh, biggest and most important, or if not the most, one of the top two or three most important organizations on the pro-Trump or conservative side, and it's effectively been marginalized and because we don't hear about it anymore. They're not doing what they used to do. And that was done by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, who's now after Trump. And you know, so it had that effect. It had the effect of effectively nullifying one of the most important organizations on our side. Hmm. So, you know, I mean... There's a good example of the effect of what they're doing, plus the fact they have effectively written the history of the 2020 election. And unless Trump is reelected in 24, that's the history that will be taught to succeeding generations of Americans. Well, okay, so 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 I remember I remember uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly leaning against the door jam, uh, coming into my office. She was writing a book. It was who killed the who killed the American family, and she said, "Well, I finished all the chapters talking about the who done it and all." She said, "Now I got to write the last chapter and say what do we do about it." So, John, what do we do about it? Okay, I I I take your critique that I'm not um, maybe taking it seriously enough. I mean, I'm a bit jaded. There's a the Russia hoax. There's you know now in the last 24 hours we have the guy. One of the 50 intelligence community liars who signed the letter uh, with uh, about Biden, um, about the Biden laptop being Russian disinformation on TV, on NBC or MSNBC and he or Fox. No, he's on Fox with Brett Baer. And he looks at the camera with a straight face. Either he's a lunatic or he's lying. And he says, oh, you know, read the letter closer. What we said was uh, that has the earmarks of Russian inf- uh, information campaign. We didn't say it was. We said it has the earmarks 
earmarks. And I wanted to scream at Brett Baer to say nobody in their right mind that listens to that thinks that 50 intelligence community professionals are, are sending a code that they don't know. They're sending a message exactly what they were doing and they're using a tool. So I take your point that I'm, I maybe I'm jaded to the number of times that our country has been hijacked by the media and the left. But what do we do about it, John? As to Georgia, what do we do about it? Well, as a big part of it, Ed, is we take back the House and Senate in the elections next month. So that's part, that's part of it. We can't lose sight of that. Okay. Uh, one thing about Georgia is that the state of Texas has refused to honor a subpoena from the te- from the Georgia prosecutor, and that was a rather audacious uh, move that they made, and uh, uh, and that's caused shockwaves at the. Georgia prosecutor's office, and that was written up in the New York Times a few days ago. Uh, And so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, You know, the highest court in Texas having to do with criminal matters, because Texas divides its courts between civil and criminal, as ruled, uh, five of the nine justices held that the uh, subpoena issued by the Georgia district attorney was not valid because the whole process that they're conducting is not yeah, valid. So I, see. I don't, so far there's only one state that's been willing to do that, but some important Trump defendants are Texas residents, including Sidney Powell. So mm. uh, we'll see how that plays out. Mm. The um, I would talk with John Schlafly again, his column, which is over at townhall.com runs over there first and then is uh, is archived at Phyllis dot com. Weaponizing prosec- weaponized prosecutions create a Biden police state. I guess, John, the uh, that, that part of that is I mean, we don't want the federal government. I mean, I, I, you get the House and Senate uh, more conservative and we still don't want that federal government to take over elections. So to your point about states can act in this way. But, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there is a there's an investigation of some of these uh, prosecutors that could at least put them on their heels a bit in terms of the um, their uh, willingness to go charging forward. I mean, if you were a conservative and you did what they're doing to the NRA or to Trump against, say, Planned Parenthood, you'd find yourself uh, before the bar, you know, the, the local legal bar. You'd find yourself, uh, you know, dealing with, um, uh, you know, who knows, the Department of Justice under this president. So um, it's um, feels like the deck is stacked. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly, everybody. Thank you, John, as always. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Only 5% of Washington, D.C. voters cast their ballot for Donald Trump in 2020, reflecting how thoroughly anti-Trump the jury pool is there. It appears impossible for anyone perceived to be a Trump supporter to receive a fair jury trial in Washington, D.C. There's a 100% conviction rate by D.C. jurors of anyone associated with Trump, while there's been a 100% acquittal rate for prominent Democrats. The jury selection process in the recent trial of Steve Bannon included startling revelations of how much animosity people in government-funded D.C. have for President Trump and his supporters. In a second term as president, Donald Trump would finally dismantle the deep state, and details are already circulating of his credible plans to replace tens of thousands of federal workers to make this happen. Some jurors may fear a loss of their government job if Trump returns to power. 
Other jurors might fear retaliation by liberals who post home addresses of jurors who dare to vote in favor of Trump or his supporters. It's often said that a prosecutor can lead a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich, and a D.C. jury might even convict that ham sandwich if it were associated with Donald Trump. It may be impossible to find 12 people in D.C. who would not face some kind of retaliation if they were to side with a Trump-supporting defendant in a trial. Retirees and housewives are typically the most independent-minded jurors, but there are few of those in Washington, D.C. Nearly every family in the city is dependent on government in some way for their income, which is why Trump received only 5% of their votes in the last election. Trump could not obtain a fair trial on anything in Washington, D.C., and Democrats are salivating at the possibility of charging him before a jury there. It would be like a presidential debate before moderators and an audience that were handpicked to be stacked 95% against Trump. Make no mistake about what the Democrats have in store for Trump. Their path forward is clear. The only question is when they will launch this next round of political persecution. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, chairman Helen Marie Taylor, treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the ProMark Report. Uh, just finishing up, I've got to tell you, um, if you don't know how things work, then you won't recognize what you're seeing. So let me explain to you what you're seeing. Um, it, and this is about um, when professional liars lie. So let's first acknowledge that the 50 people, the 50 retired intelligence community officials who signed on to the letter that said the Hunter Biden laptop was likely a Russian information campaign um, in uh, three weeks before the election in 2020, let us stipulate that there's not 50 prominent uh, intelligence community officials who are not fairly sophisticated. I mean, I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to say just because you're an intelligence community official, you're a genius, but you don't get to be one of those 50. They're well known. Most of them were top level. And that means you, you know, you know how to read and write. You know how to communicate. You're very, you're, you're, I'd say very sophisticated, right? You have a knowledge of the systems in our intelligence community. Well, they had one of these guys on TV. His name is David Prius, P-R-I-E-S-S. And uh, Brett Baer took him to the woodshed. And he basically, again, this is a sophisticated man. And he knows, in fact, some sense, if you're an intelligence community official, you're a professional liar, meaning your job is to deceive, right? Your job is to analyze and you, you hopefully you're not deceiving your own team, but your certainly goal is to deceive the world, right? I mean, we, I mean, our job, if you're intelligence community, if you're a spy or something is you're trying to get an advantage for our country. Well, this guy is on and he's asked directly by uh, Brett Baer, who shows the clip of Joe Biden saying, yeah, well, oh, it's nonsense. Uh, the, the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. Uh, intelligence community people said it the day or two days after this letter came out. Now, again, if you don't know how this works, yeah, I'm going to explain it to you. The reason that the 50 authored the letter was so that it could be used by Joe Biden and the press. 
And so that there was a talking point that explained not, oh, come on, Hunter Biden's, uh, my, my son's laptop was nothing. No, he doesn't have to say that. He can say, oh, 50 intelligence community people said it was disinformation. And the media can say 50 people, 50, not three, not one, not two of the guys that are working on Biden's campaign, but 50, 50 people with intelligence community experience retired said we looked at it. And Weasel Prius, this former CIA guy said, but if you read it closely, the word, it has all the earmarks of Russian information campaign. He said, we didn't say it was Russian information. We said it has the earmarks. That's using language to deceive. You can call that if you want clever deception. You can call that intelligence community jargon, or you can be upfront and say Prius as he sat there on the set of Fox News, was lying. He was lying to Brett Baer. He was lying to you and me. He was lying to the American people. He knows exactly how the letter was used. He knows exactly why it was done at the timing. And the fact that people don't ashamedly go and hide, or if they end up on TV, they say, I just want to apologize. I got really tricked. I I didn't think they would use it that way. Because they did think he did think they'd use it that way. He knew what they were doing. He's unapologetic. He thinks he knows better than you do. He thinks he knows better than the people do. He thinks he knows better than everyone does. The arrogance of the people who think they get to run the country because they're smart and we're not. That arrogance is stunning. It's it's threatening of the republic. It's crazy to see it. So good for Brett Baer to bring it up. So, um, all right, we got to run. Let me say thank you. Noah Dingley's back. Our great Noah Dingley, happily, happily back. We're glad to have him back. Also, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the program. Pass it on to other people. Get in touch with me through Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.